a listener production. Hi, I'm Nat Kringudis. And I'm Cecilia Ramsdale. Welcome to The Wellness Collective, a podcast where we invite you to be part of our wellness community to share, learn and live better. We've got Amy Malloy on The Wellness Collective podcast today talking about how to tell your story to heal. We talked to her about what your own story might be and why recycling feelings is something that is actually really important. We talked to her about how it's important to pick your audience, or she shares with us why it's important to pick your audience, and that's who the listener is of your stories. She shares some tips on how to deal with criticism and how your story might be therapeutic to others. You can get straight into this episode now. Oh, big sigh today. <laughs> oh, okay. It was a little bit hard to get myself into the studio today. Mm-hmm. There's a lot going on for someone that doesn't... Yeah, well, this is you. You can't do not busy. Even if you're locked down, there's ways to be busy. Do you... Yeah, it's funny. What's Is that your coping mechanism though? Just... just no. I mean... No. No, it's not my coping mechanism. <laughs> I don't think it is. I think maybe once upon a time it was, but it's certainly not now. I'm very aware of like... All the things, but it was just, yes, I, I have to say, and like most of us, home learning sucks balls. Yeah. Yeah. It really does. But anyway, what can you do? <laughs> you know, I just want to swear all the time. That's my you... thing. Oh, <laughs> what my did goodness. you do in high school? Turn your iPad on and off yeah. again. Everyone's going to work in IT. Yes. There's the solution. <laughs> dear, oh, dear. And for the kids that are creative, which both of mine are, they're mm-hmm. finding it very difficult. Oh, really? Not, mm. Oh, no. That, but this is the thing. Creativity is the easy thing. You need a trolley of art supplies at home. Yeah, but they're not in great, they're not little anymore. Oh, they no, want to pull are, out the sewing machine and, yeah. you know, well, I don't have a sewing machine. Oh, oh I've I got one. I don't have Blend space it. for this stuff in my life. No. Would no. You, I know. I'm going to make you a little sewing kit to take home for oh, Libby and great. she can start crafting and, and I, the world I also will be good. And looking to move and there's nowhere to move. And so that's really quite frustrating. Yeah. Just a bit of space would just really yep. help my life. Yep. Right yep. Now. yep. Well, you know, today I think our guest might have a few little tips on how you can find some, I don't know, joy, meaning, direction through yes. the quagmire that is life right now. Right, right, right. Yep. Well, actually, I'm excited to invite Amy Malloy on the show today. Amy, thank you for joining us. I'll let everybody, you can tell them who you are and what you do. Sure. Where do I begin? I'm just laughing listening to your introduction because <laughs> I have been anything but calm and joyful in the last two days. <laughs> don't I think anyone in all of Australia is calm and joyful. <laughs> Gosh, literally my, my kids' daycare, we're very lucky they can still go to daycare, thank goodness. But they phoned me yesterday to tell me that my little boy has regressed in the, in the potty training area <laughs> and I literally cried down the phone to them. They... <laughs> <laughs> because they said, has something changed at home? Oh. Has there been disruption at home? And of course, then I was just punched in the face with the mum guilt. And so I just started crying on the phone to this mm. wonderful educator. <laughs> and then I was like, oh, good. Here no, we are. You, this is the thing, though. You know <laughs> that the kinder teachers and the preschool teachers have seen it all and heard it all and seen all the tears. So there's no judgment. No, definitely exactly. not. No. I don't think I'm alone. We're all doing the best that we can. Anyway. <laughs> I think everyone's cried in front of their kinder teacher. Mothers anyway. I, I ever cried in front of my kinder teacher. Now I feel like I got a... Oh, oh, you got, failed. Let, failed. Let, let it out. That's an opportunity for therapy right there that I missed out on. <laughs> totally. Ah. Relief. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 
Anyway, Amy, it's great to have you. Now, you and Nat apparently have a little bit of a thing where you work together. We go back, mm. yeah. Well, <laughs> several times, several times. Um, I don't even know where that started, Amy. I reached out to you, oh, you go. when there I was you know. editor at Grazia magazine, which, oh, my gosh, is like 10 years ago now. It's well, eight years ago now, too long ago, because... I didn't have any period. So I reached out to you and said, <laughs> Where is it? Yeah. Let's do a story on that. Gone. And oh did you find gosh. it? And I did find it. Very long story later, which I'm sure we'll dive into. But And then, of course, like, especially personally, I love everything that you do. Oh. Um, I always credit you with my babies being born. And it's, yeah, I've been a mega fan ever since. So I'm so happy Thank to be you. chatting to you. That's so nice. <laughs> That's so nice. Now, since then... You've, um, hang on, I'm going to need water. So if you're playing along at home, Nat's just left the studio to go and get some water <laughs> because she's had a coughing attack. And, you know, in the COVID times we live in, a, co- a coughing attack is um, not to be sneezed at, pardon the pun. Anyway, Amy, <laughs> one of the things that um, we wanted to talk to you today about was this idea that you can, you as um, in your professional sense Mm. can help guide people through telling their own story. Now, my first question to you is, do you think everybody actually has a story that's worth telling? Totally. It's such good timing because um, yes, or this week, I'm literally recording my next course, which is called The Book Writing Remedy. It's a book writing course that cares. And we've, we've literally rescheduled this podcast with you three times. So it just happens to be the fact that I'm recording it now. Yeah. But it's all about that. It's all about we all have a story to tell. In, you know, centuries and decades gone by, women in particular would have sat in circle with our village and our community and we would have shared our stories and we would have helped each other. And, you know, that doesn't happen anymore. And we particularly... Um, we kind of get it on social media. We kind of get it when social media is doing its best work. We're brought together and we share our stories, but we certainly don't have that as much of a genuine connection. And a lot of us are really scared and censored and filtered about what we share about ourselves. So I have begun to specialize in storytelling for healing. And that is all about sharing your story in a way that helps other people to heal and helps you to heal. Mm. And that doesn't have to be some big mega movie style story that you have. You don't have to have lived through some colossal event. Like literally when I got on the podcast to you today, I told you a story about how I cried down the phone to my childcare educator. Mm. Those are the kind of stories that I feel lighter for telling you and laughing with you about it. And hopefully someone else who's sitting there who's had a really shitty drop-off with their child at childcare today also feels lighter and feels like they've healed a little bit because of it. Now, I could have just walked around with that and just kept it to myself and built it up into this big, shameful, guilt-ridden, I'm-not-good-enough thing. And instead, like I feel, I feel a sense of release just because I chatted to you guys about it. Um, and that, I think, to me is, you know, storytelling healing at its essence and that's why you don't need to have had some huge incredible thing happen to you although we all have um to have a story that matters to you and to the people around you I do love that about women and I do love that about our podcast I mean we're called the wellness collective but the collective part to me is the most important part because 
the people we get to speak to and the stories that they share and the support that we hopefully give them, but also that, that it resonates with other people. And for women to have a place for them to share that load and, like you say, to identify with it and go, oh, yeah, I went through that. Gosh, it's not just me. I think that's what we need as women. Men don't seem to need that quite so much, but we do. Mm, in a really low-pressure way. Like, I think I'm lucky now. I've been writing about myself for 15 years. I've been a journalist for forever. I've done, you know, millions of podcasts and things. So coming on to chat to you today, I don't feel that kind of fear and tightness and, like, weighed down as I can literally press onto a Zoom call and chat. Um, but we are a little bit scared to come together and share our stories. You know, we do feel like I, I don't want to say the wrong thing. I don't want to be seen in the wrong way. I don't want them to think to offend anyone or, or for them to think I'm arrogant or anything, all the labels that we throw on ourselves. So I think even sometimes, you know, when, when we meet with a group of girlfriends, we're still feeling nervous to share um, and particularly now with the restrictions and the lockdown, like I think we've all seen there's a um, Instagram quote thing going around saying like, sorry, I haven't returned your call. Sorry, I mm. haven't invited you to Zoom. No one's got the energy. I can't do that this time. <laughs> I don't have the energy to do it. And I think that comes down to a little bit that we feel like we need to perform when we're storytelling and when we're chatting rather than just showing up with ourselves and, you know, talk not having to have a big story to share when, you know, when you're saying to me, what did you do yesterday? I'm not like, well, I launched a book and I wrote a course and I did this. Like I dropped my kid off at childcare, he shat his pants and I cried. <laughs> like that is my story for yesterday. And that's a good enough story for me. And, and I want to share it. And I hope that someone else heals a little bit from it. Mm -hmm. Sorry, I just... <laughs> 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 Are you okay now? Yes. I started, you know, when you get a tickle and then you're mm. like, I actually just need to cough. But the cough button once won't I start work. coughing, I'm not going to, and so I was just like, I'm just going to go and get water straight away. So yeah, sorry. No, good, good plan. <clears throat> so now, now I feel like I've got a frog in my throat though. So that's going to be fun. Anyway, all good. Mike, something else that I think is interesting to add to that, and I'd love your opinion on this. You know, we're at the moment, especially, I feel like people have, we've kind of almost lost the ability to listen when someone is doing mm. that, that we're wanting to offer them a solution immediately, what we think that they should do, what they should do, when all we sometimes need is to be able to tell our story and someone at the end do just what I just did and went, hmm. <laughs> I'm not saying I have <laughs> the answers, but I've had to learn to listen to a lot of patients. So, um, and I know I'm much better at this in a clinical setting that I'm very able to listen. Uh, but I think being more aware of that that's therapy for people to just actually yeah, talk about something and unload without you having to have an answer for them and to fill a void or a space and just be like, wow, you know, uh, thank you for telling me. And I think just saying this is something that I really try to do my girlfriends, um, just to say I'm really sorry. I'm mm. really sorry that happened to you. You know what? That sucks. And, you know, especially now when locked down with a question mark over how long it's going to be, just to say, I'm, do you know what? I'm really sorry this happened to you. Melbourne, I'm really sorry that you are in this again. Mm. And that sucks for you. And it won't always be this way. But at today, let's just say that sucks. Right. And, and I think there's incredible healing from doing that. 100%, you know, and, and again, until you've been through whatever the trauma or drama or story or whatever that is been for you, 
you know, you can't actually know what someone feels like. And so I think, and rather than having to be like, you'll be okay, or you've got this, or it's all good. No, you've got like, this. you know, <laughs> you've got this has to be the worst thing. It, tr- it just triggers me. I was like, just shush. Right. But in the past, <laughs> did you say it to somebody? Because I reckon we all probably would have said in the past until such, such quite, you know, I would consider yeah, yeah. high stress and... and <laughs> Didn't have the same connotation. Okay, you can so. do it. So, I mean, it's, I know, I know, but it's really interesting. I think, you know, transparency, full transparency, I've done a lot of therapy around this because I'm the doer, especially in the family, the doer, the get it done, the, the it's going to be okay. Just And so when it got to a point where it wasn't okay, everybody was like, hang on, she's not okay. So now what happens? Mm. And so... Having the burden even of that um, was something that in recent years I've had to work through that even though I know I'll do it, I know I'll get it done, I just don't want someone to say, oh, you, you'll be, you're Nat, so it, it'll get, you'll be okay. You, <laughs> if anyone can do it, you can do it. Well, what happens if I can't? Like, <laughs> you yeah, know, so. Exactly. Mm. Yeah. And I've got a whole section of my course on the upside and downside of sharing live, i.e. like, you know, we're all quite good at sharing once an event has happened. So we all sit here in eight months time after lockdown and we will all be able to say exactly what we got out of it, all the lessons, all the yep. things we learned, all the hobbies we picked up, how our relationships got stronger, what we're grateful for now, blah, blah, blah. But it's really hard to share in real time because we haven't found the meaning of what is happening yet. And, you know, I'm also a counsellor and I, I trained a lot in grief therapy because it's my personal experience and uh, you know a big part of how we process grief is when we can give it meaning and we can look back at it and see why it happened and what we learned from it we can't do that right now because we are in it well so um here's the thing though amy Mm. being in melbourne we went through all this last year so there's a very strange feeling where you have experienced something and you're watching other people go through it and they haven't learnt anything from your experience. And that's a really strange sensation because you're sitting there going, hang on, guys, we've got some, you know, if you listen to us for just a moment, you might be able to avoid all the things that we, all the pitfalls, we could help you through it. But nobody was asking the question. So it's a really (laughs) interesting time to be in Australia where you've got, these, this huge cluster of people, love the word cluster, <laughs> who are going through lockdown essentially for the first time and going through all this trauma and trying to navigate it and the grief and all of those things when there's also another cluster of people who have experienced that and and are trying to, um, I don't know, share that to, to lessen the load for the people experiencing it for the first time. But I think what Amy... Exactly. And... Instead, we're getting caught up in the comparison mm. and, and, you know, how much I made a reel on it a week ago about um, COVID grief comparison and us, you know, saying, oh, but I've been in lockdown for this many weeks, but I've been in lockdown for this many weeks, mm-hmm. but I miss my parents. I haven't seen them for a fortnight. Well, I, my family are in England. I haven't <laughs> seen them for a year and a half and I might not see them till 2023, but I'm still going to let you grieve because you're used to seeing your parents every day and you haven't seen them for three weeks now, I'm not going to take away that story and what that means for you just because mine is different. And so it's also, and also for you guys, like it's letting this story of your grief from this lockdown be different from the first lockdown because you're experiencing this in real time now and you, 
shouldn't force yourself to feel the same way as you did the first time you went through this. So I've even been doing it for myself now. Like I feel like I breezed through Sydney's first lockdown. Um, I was pregnant. I was about to have a baby. I wasn't working as much. I only had a three-year-old and a two-year-old. <laughs> now I've got a four-year-old, a three-year-old and a one-year-old. And I'm finding it so much harder this time around. And I'm not even in a proper lockdown. I'm on the edge of it. So it's also about really honoring the story that's happening in your life today, this hour, this minute, and letting it be what it is. And when you're telling people about it, letting it come out in the way it needs to come out too. It's a fine line though, isn't it? Because, you know, there's two sides to the coin. There's people needing to experience it to be able to tell their story and they can't if they, you know, based on someone else's story, based on our story, like Cecilia is saying, you know, could they not learn from this or could we not give them some mm. advice? But at the same time, maybe not. Maybe they need to experience it to be able to go, ha-ha, it would have been, in hindsight, that would have been <laughs> awesome. But <clears throat> you can't and you cannot know any of that, which is a great example no. for anything else in life really, isn't it? You know? And also, and I thought this is another thing I talk about all the time, is really picking your audience. Like I, mm. I definitely think with thanks, probably thanks to social media, we really kind of arrogantly expect everyone to want to listen to us and (laughs) some people don't want to and don't need to you know I don't go around telling everyone about my life experiences I I I really try and tap into when someone wants to hear it and when someone needs to hear it like Mm. I was widowed when I was 23 my dad was paralyzed from cancer when I was 17 like I've had all of this stuff happen and I don't walk around talking about my husband now knows about 20% of my story. He knows the facts. He knows the top lines, the headlines. And he has never felt the need to sit down and ask me, like, how did it feel when you watched your husband die in front of you? He's never felt the need to ask. And I used to get kind of annoyed about that and be like, why does he not want to know? Like, he's my husband. Why does he not want to know how I felt like when I was widowed or when I woke up and my dad couldn't move his legs anymore and I had to carry him to the bathroom. And like, why doesn't he want to, to sit inside my heart and feel that? But he wants to know the person I am now. And also he doesn't really have a reference point for it. He, yeah. He's never kind of experienced loss or grief. Maybe one day when <laughs> one of his parents gets sick and died, maybe then he will come to me and say, I need to know how you cope with that. But right now, it's not something he needs in his life. And he will say it's not a sorrow that he wants to carry. He doesn't want to look at me and see that and feel that. And so he doesn't ask it. And I had to get to a place where I was okay with that. And I didn't need everybody to want to hear my story and want to learn from it if they don't need to at this point in their life. Don't you think, too, that men just process things in such a different way to us when it comes to that sort of big trauma? Or even little trauma. They they don't. Oh, they definitely do. It's it's just a do- totally different process. They don't need to say it fifteen times to fifteen different people in different ways, and then go right. I've got that out of my system, which I think a lot of us oh. lady folk and like to do. And the same with lockdown. Mm. Like my hu- husband, he's just like he's in lockdown. He's you know he's like a bit frustrated or whatever, and then he's going to come out and he's going to go on his merry way. Like I'm sitting here being like, oh, so I feel so triggered by this because. Like, you know, in my younger life, I felt trapped in this situation and now I hate feeling like I don't have choice in my life. I'm like digging, digging, digging into what it means. Some people really don't need to do that or don't 
don't want to do that. And we have to be fine about that. And so coming right back to your question, like I would personally love to sit down with you guys and hear what you learned from your lockdowns and how you coped and what you did. Um, and some people don't want to, and we can't, and we have to make peace with that and put the information out there and look for the audience who wants, finds that valuable and let everybody else go. I think though, um, um, from my point of view, it's a bigger thing in terms of the, the government, you know, like the people in charge not listening. And that's a whole, mm. that's a whole other story because that's quite frustrating for, on a personal level. When you look at leadership and go, well, hey, what, what's missing here? Why, why are the stories not being kind of transmitted upwards or something? So, yeah. Especially when it comes down to fear, like absolutely do not want to go into vaccine mm. <laughs> pros and cons here. But, you know, it's based on fears. And if we don't make assumptions and we really look at people's fears and what's coming from behind it, um, you know, then we could get closer to finding a solution to being able to move the rollout forward and, you know, benefiting the health of the country. And so that's storytelling again. We need to really listen to people mm. and look behind, um, you know, why are they posting that? Why are they post sharing that information? What's coming behind it? What's the story from their past that is triggering that fear? Um, and so, yeah, if we did, we did more conscious storytelling and more conscious listening, like Nat said, we could really benefit from it. I know. I think we can be reactive, obviously, based on our own experience, but sometimes listening or even asking just why. Like, why is somebody feeling that's important? And, mm. you know, I think that that can help to open up my, minds of people as well. It's like I surely can't have the only answer yeah. <laughs> or the only solution here. Like, why would somebody do that? Why? And I, I feel like there's always some there's, – there's always an element of something in ev everyone's got something valid. Like I don't think we can just go, nah, or yeah. You know, like I feel like that mm. we're all different. So what we need is going to be different. And I think that's part of the challenge at the moment too is that there's a lot of people that are going, hang on, this doesn't make sense or that doesn't make sense, but I have to do this and that's where we struggle. Um, and finding some solution or resolution in, in I think that is really important. Um I want to ask a little bit more. You've written some really amazing books and they've obviously come also from experience and your latest book is about children and we'll get to that in a minute. Um, but can you talk a little bit about your your first book that you wrote? Wife Interrupted was my first. Oh, no, I don't have a copy of that. Yeah, that's way back. I don't have a copy of Wife Interrupted. Um, Wife Interrupted is where the whole storytelling for healing movement right. began because it was written in a very different way than I would write now. I have so much love and respect for it because I wrote it when I was 23, literally in the eight months after my husband died. Um, and But it was just like a purging of everything I felt. So it's about how I was a 23-year-old widow and I coped with it by being super promiscuous and just going out and basically sleeping with the whole of London. <laughs> and then I wrote a book about it. Um, and this would have come out 10 years ago. I was a little baby book deal. Um, and it had a huge global reaction and was so incredibly divisive with people just being like, thank you. Thank you for writing about the realities of grief. Thank you for telling the truth. Thank you for not glorifying what people do when they're in the throes of grief. Um, 
And then, of course, this whole wave of my first husband's friends who thought that I had done this terrible, shameful, awful thing by not writing this beautifully heroic Mm. book about our love story and his death. And that was the beginning of how I really began to explore what storytelling means and helped so many hundreds of thousands of people. But it had such a backlash that I had to really sit and think, would I have written this book again? Was it worth it to me for Mm. the negativity that I got? And I came back and realized that, yes, it was. And I actually had a, that book's just gone into reprint. And I had the chance to sit down and edit it before it went Oh, that's back. good. Yeah. And I, I thought I was going to hash it apart and pick it apart and rewrite. And, and I probably changed like 5% of just stuff that just needed to be updated because it was written 10 years ago. But the core of it and everything I wrote and everything I shared, I stuck in there because I just thought, you know what? Yes, this was my truth at the time as a 23-year-old heartbroken, grief-stricken widow And these are the moments that helped other people to really heal from their own loss. And so I decided not to take them out just because of the backlash that I got from maybe 10% of readers who thought that, like, how can you be saying this? Why are you, how can you be saying, how can you be writing about an argument that you and your husband had on your wedding night when he had three months to live? And how can you write about the fact that you couldn't have sex because his cancer couldn't help him to perform and a huge group you know, yelling match that you had about it because he was heartbroken and you were heartbroken. Like, how can you share those moments? And those are the moments that matter. Those are the moments that have the most meaning. So, yeah, that 10 years ago was really the beginning of storytelling for healing for me and how I wanted to find a way to help people today to share their story in a really, really conscious way that gets all of the healing benefits, but also protects you and makes you really clear about why you're sharing what you're sharing and the impact that you want to have about it. Do you think so when I um when I brought out my follow-up to that book, which was 10 years later, which is probably what Nat was going to say, which is called The World is a Nice Place, I wrote it in a very different way. Um I was still honest as ever because that's really what I tried to do, but I was much more particular about what I shared. And much more, I really did think about every word, every sentence and ran it through the filter. Is this 100% true for me today? And is this 100% necessary for me to share to have the impact that I want to have? And those are the two filters I really run everything through, whether it's social media, a conversation, a podcast interview, a book. Um, And that to me is really the core of everything I stand for when it comes to storytelling today. I was going to ask you, you sort of said with your second book that it changed, but do you think that it was easier for you to just lay it all out and be truthful about what happened between you and your husband because he wasn't there and he he couldn't read it and be hurt? Do you know what I mean? Because I think often... Yeah, probably... Also, I have made him a promise. So he is, is his fault, really. Because <laughs> one day when we were sitting in chemo together, and I was training as a journalist at this point, I'd already done three years of uni and, and writing was very much my future. And he said to me, like, one day I want you to write our story. I want you to write 
but he said if if you do it only do it if you're going to be 100% honest otherwise I don't want you to do it at all and so I I took that with me and I've taken it with me ever since really <laughs> that's how I'm here <laughs> and so I don't think I ever I think even if he was alive I like to think I he would have given me the confidence to be just as honest. Yeah. But I think I'm more protective of myself now. I want to know that if, or I, I do know that if I ever write anything now, and I still write some pretty out there things, I still share very, very openly. But I always want to know that if anything blew up or if anything created a backlash, that I stand by every single word I mm. say. And I think that's, all that I can do with myself and all that any storyteller can do with themselves to say that was my truth at the moment that I wrote it or shared it. And that doesn't mean that truth isn't going to change in 10 years from now, but that was my truth at the time. Also, it's much easier. We've talked about this before. It's so much easier to just stick to your truth. If you start weaving lies, you've got to remember them and that's just exhausting. Oh, shoot, could be bothered. (laughs) And I'm just talk as you talk. Like I write as I talk mm. and that's really it. Like when people tell me how do you, how, how should I write? I just say, how do you talk? Like I think my, it was the easiest thing in the world when I had to read my audio book because it was just like, <laughs> it just rolled off my tongue. I, I, I don't try to be any more clever than I sound in real life. I don't try to use any different words than I do in a conversation with you. I just write my speech and I think that's really how we should all do it. So if you came up against a lot of criticism with that first book, Mm. obviously that's helped to shape means and ways of dealing with criticism. And so for the listener that's sitting there going, oh, I'd like to borrow a bit of that, what would you recommend that they do? Mm. Like what did you learn? What was the best mechanism to help to deal with criticism Mm. don't read comment sections (laughs) (laughs) don't read the daily mail comment section no good idea (laughs) ever (laughs) um it really does come back to that just being really clear about why you're writing something and the purpose of it so I'm always very clear even on social media now I I really only write something if I genuinely believe someone is going to take Mm. something from it that will help them and I think that makes up for any negativity that comes and kind of mentally or physically collect the good stuff like we're also good at clinging on to the negativity that comes our way. Oh, yes. <laughs> and yet we're not very good at holding on to the good stuff. So I always remember I got this incredible letter when I, my first book came out from this kind of 80-year-old, 85-year-old grandmother who had been widowed in the war and had then, unbeknownst to anyone, basically gone and slept around. And she wrote to me and said, I have been carrying this secret around with me for 60 years and I've never been able to get over the shame of what I did. And now I can because of your book, because wow. I know that I'm not alone. Yeah. And I have just stored that in my heart for the rest of my life. Yeah. And that overrides for me any negative comments that I've received that 
to me is it. And I think sometimes we think it's arrogant or we shouldn't talk about the praise we get or the people we've helped. No, we never and do that. We're all we into the praise. We need to. Are you guys don't. <laughs> Just but, you um, wait. We do. We need to. Yeah. Because we're very quick to tell, you know, to talk yeah. about, oh, my God, I got this comment. Someone trolled me. Someone said this. Someone said that. And I think we need to say, do you know what? I really helped someone today. I saved someone's life maybe today. Mm. Or I just made someone going back to our conversation feel a little bit less shit about their daycare drop off today. Yeah. Like I made a good sandwich. It doesn't have to be big. <laughs> yeah. So I think also that comes back to I always I always get curious whenever there's something that, you know, lands my way that isn't positive. And this is this is what I was saying before. I always ask why. Like why would someone need to do that? Like why? And and when I do that, I just create a little bit of space. And I know also that, you know, not, not everybody's for everybody. So I think that that's mm. okay too. Like, you know what? Sure, I'm sure I upset a lot of people, but sure, I'm sure I help a lot of people. And I think that's true for everybody. Um, and think- they're not your people and that's okay. You don't have to be for everybody. But I always, if 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 I do get hung up on the one comment or the one trigger, I always ask, why would someone need to do that? Like, why Why would that need to, they feel that that's something that's appropriate? And try and have a little bit of compassion and understanding as to, you know, it's not so much about me, it's more about them. It's more like, oh, gosh, I hope they're okay, you know? And know that some days, you know what, they are going to hurt you. Like, some days I'll get a comment and it hurts. I'm not saying every day I just let it, but, and there's still comments I'm, like I still remember a few years ago, someone wrote underneath one of my social media comments on my hus- on the anniversary of my first husband's death. I put something, and I very rarely do that. I had put something because it was X amount of years. And someone wrote underneath, oh, my God, is she ever going to stop talking about her dead husband? <laughs> <laughs> but see, you know, that might be a thought bubble. This is the thing I find really interesting. And we were talking about this with one of our guests recently, about this idea that you might type a comment, but really take a second to look at that comment and read it back and say, <laughs> yeah. is this a, is this the kind of thing David. I would say to myself, yes. you know, or, mm. or a text message, put it in a text message and send it and to yourself it. <laughs> and then you read it and go, what, what was I thinking? I think the other thing too, I heard um, Julia Morris, you know, the, the comedian yep. Yep. and was talking about this exact thing and about criticism on Twitter. And she'd posted a photo of herself in a bikini and Someone had come at her and said, oh, you've had gastric band surgery. And she was like, what? No, I haven't. And then it turned into this snowball where her gen- her um, manager had to then, you know, explain to the journalist that no, she hadn't and prove it and all this stuff. And she said, I was so, you know, put out by this and, and felt so low and all of these things from this one criticism and this stupid comment. She said, I looked at this person and it had a, they had a picture of a, a cat scratching a scratching post on their Twitter and five followers. She said, why did I let this person (laughs) upset me so much and cause, and and this is the thing, you know, criticism, it hurts, but maybe even taking that step and going, who is this person? And like you say, why? Why? Why why are you needing to do do this Do they matter? No, you know. And are they seeing you as a person? Oh, it's fine. I don't know if you guys find this, but if someone says anything negative, they normally say like, oh, why is she doing this? Not like, why are you doing that? They're, they're, they're always, they always come to use a noun like she. Yes. As if they think that I'm not really Not going to read it, yeah. <laughs> like, no, no, she is not talking about her dead yeah. husband. I am. I am talking about my dead husband. <laughs> 
because it's I, because it's my story and I will keep talking about it thank you very much but with love yeah exactly. <laughs> but yeah I think you know I always kind of take a little moment moment to say okay they're using you or like mm. why would they do that and they're not really seeing me as a person right now and okay I'm going to take a little bit of a step back too <laughs> and just not take that on today <laughs> also do I think sometimes if you stand up to people if you said she is doing it because of da 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 <laughs> then the people are often taken aback because they don't expect the person to actually be a person I had a great Absolutely. moment where I stood up to a bully in real life and gee it was good it was so good yes, because yes. he just did not expect anybody to stand up to his way of, you know, approaching things, which was inappropriate at the time. And he was so taken aback and his manner changed immediately because yeah, yeah. someone stood up to him, you know. Yes. Oh, I was killing the And I don't think if you, and I don't think that me, needs to mean that you kind of um, come at it from a really masculine, brave way. Like if I stand up to someone, I'm always a little shaky person on the other end. Of course. Like, like standing up to myself, but like having the big lump in my throat and mm-hmm. the wobbly lip. But you know what I'm doing anyway? Like I was in a cafe a couple of months ago and I had my three kids. I had two kids and a baby in a high chair. And I was trying to reply to a work email. And of course, it just like looked like absolute chaos. But <laughs> I was kind of proud. You know, when you have one of those moments, I was like, look at me go. I'm at the house. I've got the three kids. I'm on, like replying to my email. Here we go. And I heard a group of women next to me and one of them said, oh, look at her, three kids and she's on her phone. (laughs) And I was like, and I sat there and I thought, I'm going to say something, I'm going to say something. (laughs) And I just went up to them and just said, excuse me, like I I heard what you said and yeah, I've got three kids and yeah, I'm on my phone, but I'm doing my best and you should really be careful about what you say about other women. It would have been really great if you said to me, well done. Like, well done for being out here. You're doing a great job. And I walked out of there and I had tears in my eyes and I was all wobbly and shaky. And I just thought, you know what, I'm, I didn't need to be this heroic, like, yeah, me, go girl. Like, I am having a, a big wobble about it. And I didn't feel very heroic about going up to them and saying it. But I'm, I'm still glad I said that even if I had a really wobbly voice and walked out in tears afterwards, mm. I still shared what I felt like needed to be shared. Mm. So Good for you. And the same, you know, yeah, thank you. Coming back to storytelling, just exactly the same. We don't have to feel like a hero when we're sharing all of our stories. We can say it with a wobble in a voice and a little shaky hand. Um, and that doesn't take away from how courageous and awesome we're being by sharing a little bit about ourselves. Yeah, love it. Um, I, during the last 18 months that me and three other mums that I know have got this little chain of text messages that go around and we're kind of a, I don't even know how the four of us came together in this. <laughs> it, it's been renamed the COVID crew in our WhatsApp group. <laughs> and we, it's been like a lifeline because mm. maybe because we are maybe like one step away from being really good friends, but we're experiencing everything at the same time in slightly different ways. So, you know, one of them's got four children and her husband works all the time. You know, one's husband, my husband's around all the time. So we have all these like different aspects, but by sharing our stories together, it's been a really great way of navigating through it. Yeah. I love that. So important. Got to love your babes. Absolutely. Absolutely. Amy, we are out of time, but where can our listeners go and absorb all of your amazing, amazingness? 
head to my website, which is amymalloy.com.au or Instagram is my home from home um, at amy underscore Malloy. Beautiful. Thank That's you it. so much for chatting. We could have gone for another hour. <laughs> um, but but that I've I've absolutely loved in between choking. I've absolutely loved um, talking to you today. <laughs> Before we go, guess what, Cecilia? We have a review. Oh, here we go. Let's have some positive reinforcement, I know, I know, Amy. Well, this is how we roll. Go yeah, on. And so I say this every time, but my love language is words of affirmation. So if you Who's really isn't? want to make my day, and Cecilia's clearly, um, yeah. then please go and leave us a review and. Uh, Drop some stars, just five of them, by the uh, by the little rate there, and says love you, ladies. Um, I do love the fact that the person's name is Horse Mum One. Um, I cannot begin to explain how much I've learnt from you both. Fun, informative, and kind. So kind. Mm, yes, I'll try. I've, that's what it says. So kind. Mm. Um, I've listened to every episode some twice. Thank you for educating me so that I can be a better mum and help my daughter make better choices. Thank you. Mm. Love it. It's a lot of pressure. But I love it. Pressure? Yeah. What do you mean pressure? Pressure to, to give kind? good information, to give her daughter good choices. Oh. I hope she doesn't hold us to that in the future. <laughs> I feel like we've just, there's enough episodes out there now that we don't need to feel the pressure. No, that's true. Well, it's not all in one. Yeah. Amy, oh, so great to meet you. Good luck with your littlies. Three is uh, like having 27, I hear. So yeah, well. good luck with that. <laughs> Especially under four. Need a minibus and you know, show your life. It's is... really, it's really natural, you know. Ah, it's it's right. the reason all the, all the babies came. <laughs> <laughs> so when you're up to 26, we know who to send the bills to. Yep, very good. My, my husband, who really wanted to stop at two, is probably the same that he probably curses you that. Oh, <laughs> sorry about it. Oh, sorry about it. The, the third one is luckily she's a little living angel, so oh, she makes life very easy for amazing. us. I love it. I love it. Ah. <laughs> oh, we love you, Amy. Thank you so much for chatting today. Love you guys. It's been awesome. Thank you. Bye. Listener.